and welcome back to more favorite things with mark uh if you hear a weird sound in the background my cat is licking out a yogurt container <laughs> right next to the computer uh which is one of her favorite things so if if you hear that and you uh you're bothered by that sound you can fast forward about um just looking at it about a minute two minutes max uh <laughs> you won't hear that anymore uh and if you don't want to listen to us, you can just uh, scrub to the end of the episode and you get credit for listening. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, so uh, this... Uh-huh. Yeah, she is. Um, so this week has been, uh, on a personal level, a national level, international level, it's been a stressful one for everyone. Uh, so... Uh, I know that if you're anything like us, you are probably worn down, tired, and just ready to not think about anything political, about anything uh, crisis or uh, health related. You're just ready to sit back, relax, and think about some wonderful nothingness. And congratulations, you will receive absolutely no mental, uh, philosophical, or other insight from us this week. If you are after the empty calories of the brain, we are here for you. <laughs> uh, so welcome to Favorite Things. This week, uh, we're going to be trying out a little bit different format on our main topic, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, so bear with us as we uh, struggle through that. Uh, but to start with, this week, Betsy, what what are some favorite things you've been encountering? Besides the Besides the oh. movie. Wow. Favorite things I've been, been encountering. Okay. If you're not ready, I am. Yeah, you go. Okay. Um, so, uh, right off the bat this week, for me, uh, the embargo has lifted for the opening salvo of PlayStation 5 <laughs> reviews. I am... I am so excited. Um, I am a kid counting down the days until Christmas. And you've been counting it down for how many weeks now? Two months. Two months. Two months. Is that when you pre-ordered it? Is it yes. It's been two months since you pre-ordered? I pre-ordered back in September. Man, I feel like it's just been a couple weeks ago. I, I pulled my information the other day just to verify that my pre-order was still <laughs> in their system. And it sure, it sure as fire is. And I cannot wait. So... Lord willing, this time next week, I will have the console in my hands um, and be playing around with my new toy. Yeah. Um, but I am so excited. Uh, everyone is very, um, very enthusiastic about the PlayStation 5. They're calling it the, the console of the future, mm -hmm. um, which delivers on some of its promise today and will only deliver on more of it as time goes on. Um, but I'm super excited about uh, how fast everything is supposed to load, how my old PlayStation games are going to play with it, uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, and the new games, PlayStation 5 games, all loading faster, running better, looking better. And I'm really excited about yeah. that. Uh, the opportunity to enjoy new things, but old things in a new way yeah. always excites me. Yeah, I know you've been super excited about that. And th that makes me excited about it, just watching you, you know, with yes. your excitement. On top of that, I've really been enjoying uh, The Mandalorian on Disney yeah. Plus um, and just some old musicals in general. We, oh, yeah. Uh, we, this week, we utilized a couple of our free trials uh, to streaming services to uh, 
to watch a couple of remakes of Shop Around the Corner. Yeah, it was fun. We watched the one that was done in 2016 on Broadway with Jen, Jane, but I want to say Krasowski, but that's not right. It's uh, Jane Krakowski. Krakowski. Oh, I was close. I was close yes. to that time. That I was you before. were thinking Krasinski yes, and tripping that's yourself what, up. That's what I've been saying. It's Krasinski. So I'm like, no, it's not Krasinski. Yes. Okay, two, so very, like, two very Polish sounding names. Yes. Um, so that one, was, that one was a fun watch. So, so the shop around the corner, for those of you who are not familiar, is... You've got uh, it's you've got mail it's a story that was originally done in poland i believe hungary hungary uh same general area uh eastern europe uh in i want to say the 1920s uh the play uh was adapted into a 1940s film the shop around the corner starring jimmy stewart and um, I, was it either, was it Ingrid Bergman, I think, or Catherine Hepburn? I have never seen it. I uh, can't remember. I feel like it was one, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like it was one of those two. I, it's been so many years. It's been like probably 20 years since I've seen it. So the original, I'm not uh, old. the original <laughs> Hungarian stage play was adapted into a musical in the 1960s called She Loves Me. Uh, that musical had revivals in uh, the 70s, the 90s, and then again in 2016, uh, starring Zachary Levi, and I can't remember the the sweet lady with the magnificent voice. Uh, and she had bronchitis. And she had bronchitis during that. the recording. You could not tell. Yes. I, you even said you heard, you saw her at some point coughing on the side, but yeah. I never I never caught her coughing. So so uh, on Broadway HD, the streaming service, you can watch this uh, performance of the play. She loves me. She loves me uh, from 2016, and it is great. It's a good, fun musical. Um, it's it's well acted. It's well sung. I I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, but that that and you've got mail. You've got mail was honestly a nostalgia watch because yeah. I've just I I love a Tom Hanks movie and. I was just wanting something simple this week. After all the complexities of life and politics and health and everything, I wanted a comfort food type watch. Yeah. And uh, You've Got Mail was definitely that. Definitely a problematic film. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh, most definitely. Um, the, the concept is once, uh, spoiler alert, once for a movie that's over 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, once Tom Hanks has figured out who his uh, pen pal, online pen pal is, and he proceeds to gaslight her for half of the film, it becomes a different sort of movie. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's very different. Yeah. The movie's very much a product of its time, of the 90s, um, but it is a comfort watch. Yeah. I, pr I prefer, um, having watched them back to back now i prefer she loves me to you've got mail now just because it's less insidious it's yeah. less um mean yeah uh in how it treats its female characters yeah um but no less enjoyable yeah all right now for the my week things mm -hmm. i've enjoyed it also came in like oh yeah this happened this week is I was invited to go out with some ladies from work. We were closed on Tuesday. Uh -huh. So it's something I don't get to do a lot. It's just kind of hang out with um, with a few of them. There's like five of us all together. And we just 
went shopping around Columbia. Like the only two of us actually lived in Columbia. And so everybody else came from Franklin. And mm-hmm. so it was just fun just to kind of go into shops and stuff that I've never been into or I haven't been into in a very long time. And just, mm-hmm. you know, for me, window shopping and stuff. Um, and that was fun. And then yesterday, I was invited out to coffee with a friend. So those are just things I don't get to do a lot. I'm I'm introverted and I'm a stay-at-home person. And, you know, if I'm not working, I prefer to stay at home. So it was kind of stepping outside of myself and, and accepting these invitations and doing that. On top of that, I've got a Pampered Chef uh, fundraiser going for our adoption. So we'll see how that yep. goes in the end. Uh, but, you know, and Pampered Chef things are always fun. So I love Pampered Chef. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think for me growing up, it was uh, Toys R Us, Barnes and Noble, uh, and uh, whatever video store was nearby. I think your equivalent of that now is Pampered Chef. Pampered Chef and Amazon. And Amazon. <laughs> and finding the kitchen things. So one of the things I posted today for the party that she gave us options of different like memes to post to go with like, Hey, uh, book a party, all this. And it's like, um, what did it say? Now all of a sudden my mind went blank. Um, something about like growing up. Oh God. Now I'm not, I'm going to try cause I can't remember. Yep. But so, anyway, lost, <laughs> lost thoughts aside. It's, but, it's been a good week. Yeah. It's been just, a good week. It's been just enjoying some distractions from, uh, the crippling, just depressing reality. <laughs> ever surrounding us yeah so uh we hope that you wherever you find yourself in the world have had a better week uh than some uh than most even and uh we hope that you're finding favorite things to enjoy uh so now transitioning over to uh our film of this week uh i mentioned at the start of the show that we're going to try a little bit different format uh so uh I feel like with films similar to Harry Potter, especially films that are are, are so well seen and well known, um, most people are going to know the plot synopsis. Uh, so this week, uh, I did not take notes. Yeah, I noticed that. I actually just enjoyed the film as yeah. I would enjoy a film. And so this week, if uh, synopses or... Uh, little observations aren't as detailed uh it is because i sat and just enjoyed the film we're going to try to give you some insights uh from the film some little uh nitpicks here and there um but we're going to do our best not to be the wikipedia uh, plot synopsis of this film so uh as we go in we'll talk about how we felt about it we'll give you a brief overview of the film if you haven't seen it uh as per usual on these uh full spoilers for the film uh but really 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 uh good movie uh just jumping right in uh goblet of fire is if I'm comparing this favorably to the original Star Wars trilogy, this is the Empire Strikes Back mm. uh, to the previous films, Star Wars. Um, this takes everything that came before it, builds on it, streamlines it, makes it darker, makes it um, at the same time funnier at mm-hmm. points, and just makes a better, more streamlined film. I think this film is just as long as Prisoner of Azkaban, 
but I didn't feel it. Yeah. It didn't feel as long. As a matter of fact, it, once this movie gets rolling, it keeps going yeah. until it drags you kicking and screaming into the finish. Yeah. I noticed it didn't start with him at his aunt and uncle's house. Yes. The Dursleys? Yes. I was afraid I was going to say it wrong, so I didn't want to say it. But I, I noticed it didn't start It didn't start there like the others have. This is no. the first one that... And a vast majority of this film is... It's a streamlined telling of the story. And she's back to find more yogurt. <laughs> um, she's doing so, her favorite thing. So this this film, as much as any, is, is, a, um, is a streamlining of the property it's um it gets all the important things all the important things are right up front but they're not uh they're not expounded the way they were in uh harry potter and the philosopher's stone or harry potter and the chamber of secrets yeah this is okay we need to get harry from point a to point b to point c and we need to have just the important details that get him from point A to point B to point C. And they do. Yeah. And the movie, mostly, uh, I would say it's 80 to 90% of the way there, fills in all those blanks and ties off all those notes very successfully. Yeah. Um, and doesn't leave too many plot threads hanging. Uh, it does leave a few, uh, mainly because the book is considerably larger uh, than the last couple of books. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot more uh, plot threads left hanging. Uh, plot threads that didn't make their way into the film are things like uh, Hagrid being a half giant and dealing with some scandals that come out uh, about that, especially in his relationship with Madame Maxine from uh, the Bo Batten's Academy. And she was like very tall. She was a, like, the, is she a full on giant? In the story, uh, she is a full giant. They don't explain that. And Hagrid is a half giant. Okay. And so there's, there's all kinds of secondary plots that kind of get left by the wayside. Some of which actually uh, play into future books and on one or two occasions future movies but they have to in those movies give a decent amount of exposition to catch you up because they didn't do it in this film right uh it was actually pitched early on to uh according to rumor to split this film into two films um and someone said no don't do that yeah uh that's a rumor uh i've heard (laughs) but uh this is a thick enough book that had they wanted to literally spill out every little thing they could have um and they won't even though each progressive book in the series gets a little bit bigger they shrink just slightly uh after i believe the next book Mm -hmm. uh all of these movies until the very last one are truncated uh in comparison with the book but I'll be honest, two hours, two and a half hours with a movie, or in the case of the last book, which is split into two movies, four hours, I would rather spend that amount of time than the full weekend or uh, <laughs> or a couple of months, if I'm taking my sweet time, uh, to read the book. Yeah. So it's, it's what you want. Uh, sometimes you want to settle in and just savor every bit of the world. Sometimes you just want to have the two hour ride and go home. Uh, and 
honestly, having read some of the Harry Potter books, uh, only like three, I believe, uh, and uh, having watched all the movies, I think there's something for everybody, whichever path you take. So uh, when we come back, we'll get into our observations, a little bit of a plot breakdown, and then final thoughts on Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. All right, and we're back. Now, Betsy, before we start, I do not have any screens, notes, or other accessories to help me remember this plot, this movie, or anything else, correct? Correct. On your work, I have no cheat sheets or anything else. No cheat sheets. Okay. Everybody, if you believe I am lying, please harass my wife. (laughs) Only time you will ever, ever get that invitation. All right. Uh, well, your phone is sitting right there, but you're not holding it. It's upside down on the table. It's, you know. Yes. You're not using it. Your hands are free. Yes. I can take off my glasses if you want. These aren't smart glasses, <laughs> but I can I can take them off if you want. Okay. So, uh, this film starts, uh, as all good films should, in a graveyard um, at the tomb of one Tom Riddle. Uh, we meet a gravekeeper who is... Uh, really curious uh apparently he thinks that there's some vandals uh in the graveyard goes over and sees uh a bunch of creepy guys huddled around all of a sudden a giant snake rolls through uh boom he's dead gets the old avada cadavra uh harry wakes up apparently watched the whole thing because he's some uh sort of psychopath warrior um Harry is at the Weasley's house. Like you said, woke up not going to uh, his aunt and uncle's. Uh, We got to start the movie already in the land of magic. Harry, along with Hermione, Ron, the entire Weasley clan, uh, go and they meet up with the Diggories to go see the World Cup, uh, the Quidditch World Cup to be more precise. Uh, They go to a massive stadium that exists apparently just you know nowhere uh because (laughs) this thing is huge larger than the sydney opera house but no one's ever seen it yeah um they go uh we get the opening of the quidditch world cup we don't see the actual uh match we find out that apparently ireland won and uh victor crom uh did a really good job in spite of the fact that he played for the opposite team uh so found out uh found out that what happens in the book is the Irish absolutely kicked uh, the Bulgarians all up and down the floor. Uh, Apparently the score was like 175 to 10. Uh, (laughs) Even when Victor Krom gets 150 points for catching the snitch, the Bulgarians still lose. Because they were so high. Yeah, he literally wanted to end the match on his terms. Yeah. So, uh, so it's supposed to be the automatic win by catching it because of how many points it still couldn't match. It's, it's one of those weird sports technicalities of typically you're going to have a low scoring game and then, and then someone catches the snitch and anyone it's anyone's match, but the Irish were, it was such a shutout. It was almost like a mercy rule in a, (laughs) in a, in a game. So, uh, after the match, everyone is just having a grand old time. Oh, by the way, uh, 
the Weasley's tent, when they go to this match, everyone is doing the wizard equivalent of tailgating, and they're inside this tent that you go in from the outside and it's maybe 10 feet across. It, it looks like a large teepee. They go inside and this thing is easily a 1500 square foot house. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, man, why doesn't every wizard live in one of these tents? Right? I mean, you, you don't have to, you can just, wherever you say your tent is your home and you can travel and and all kinds of stuff. It is important for me to note at this point in the movie uh, that this is our first Doctor Who reference. We have a object uh -huh. that is larger on the inside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't but, think about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, instance number two, uh, Barty Crouch Sr. Uh, is the head of the Cybermen from the second season of Doctor Who as well. Really? Yes. Okay, that's number two. And number three is? N number three is David Tennant. David Tennant. Looking just fresh-faced baby boy. Uh, <laughs> is a pre-Doctor Who uh, just very handsome villain. Uh, yeah. We'll get to him a little bit later. <laughs> He pops up at the beginning of this film. We don't know his name. We just know that he is teamed up with uh, tiny little baby Lord Voldemort and Wormtail. Uh, so uh, the match is over. All of a sudden, there's a big riot. And no, we're not in Seattle. This is just uh, apparently where the Death Eaters have decided to come and just thrash the World Cup. Uh, everyone uh, sees Harry and thinks that he did it because... If Harry's around, trouble's not far behind. Uh, they quickly discover, no, it wasn't him. Uh, but up in the sky is the Dark Mark. The Dark Mark being a skull with a snake coming out of the yeah. tongue. One thing I noticed as the all chaos was breaking loose and everyone's trying to get away, Harry, Hermione, and Ron run towards the trouble. So, not to start with in this one. In Did most, I miss that? So, in most of the films we've seen so far, that's that's how they yeah. act. In this one, they're actually trying to get away. Okay, so I missed all that. Now, the thing I noticed uh, when watching last night is Harry literally trips for a moment and gets kicked in the head uh -huh. and goes unconscious. But that's the only injury he sustained. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of people running around, they don't. All all sorts of people, he does not get ground into paste yeah. by the stampede of humanity. Yeah. And I like to think that it's not on the ground or fully upright that you're in danger. It's only if you bend down. So the answer is either be all the way down or all the way up if you're in the wizarding world. <laughs> it's only in the in-between area that you're in danger of being hit. <laughs> all right. So uh, we find out. This is the Dark Mark. This is the uh, the calling card of the group of dark wizards run by you-know-who. Uh, he who shall not be named. Until he is. Until he is. Uh, so we go off to Hogwarts. It's another year. This year, though, is very similar to the Olympics in that there is going to be a grand competition. This competition involves not just Hogwarts, but all of the European schools, including the School of Bow Battens, uh, which is, uh, I want to say, based out of France, France or Belgium. Uh, lots of lovely young ladies are 
are headquartered there. Then we've got Durmstrang out of Bulgaria, uh, and uh, mostly men, but there are some women. Uh, and very different color palettes, whereas Hogwarts seems to be, uh, we wear black robes and then color-coded scarves and badges. Uh, Durmstrang is all red and black, and uh, Bow Battens is all uh, very soft whites and, and blues. blues. Yeah. Uh, so we are now informed of the Tri-Wizard Tournament, where uh, all of these schools will compete for the Tri-Wizard Cup. Uh, and the way that they will enter this is by putting their names into the titular Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Uh, so this year, because of the Dark Mark and all the weird shenanigans going around, uh, the age requirement is basically seniors only. Uh, yeah. Only seventh year wizards are allowed. Uh, and some people don't like this. Some people are like, hey, that's cool. I didn't want to die. Yeah. Um, but we proceed through the film. Uh, Fred and George Weasley try to enter by using an aging potion. Uh, and when that backfires, they turn into little Dumbledores. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the names are drawn. We meet uh, Cedric Diggory, uh, played by Robert Pattinson of uh, Twilight fame and soon to be Batman fame. Uh, we, uh, we meet, uh, and I'm blanking on names, Victor Crom. Uh, out of Bulgaria, uh, who bears a striking resemblance to an old family friend, uh, <laughs> we, uh, uh, who shall not be named on this podcast. Uh, and then uh, the lovely Flora Delacour, uh, who is the uh, Bo Batten's champion. But then, of course, because Harry can't stay out of trouble, Harry's name pops out of the hat. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. The people are yelling, he's a cheat, he's a cheater. These kids literally cheer Fred and George when right. he, when they tried to cheat. They're just mad at Harry because he succeeded. Yeah. Um, the one thing during that part is that I started noticing every even from the beginning of the movie when from from Ron and everything is that when Harry's name came up, there was just this look of betrayal and disdain and <laughs> almost a hatred that came across Ron. Like so. I, I mentioned this last night. A lot of this comes for Ron because he is in the long line of Weasleys who have achieved something. And they have something to call their own. And Ron has never had anything to call his own. Yeah. If you remember back in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or for those of you in Europe, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, uh, when he was looking into the mirror of Eris head when Harry saw his parents, Ron saw that he was on the Quidditch team and had won the, he had won the school cup and he had become the best boy. And he literally had won all of this recognition and mm -hmm. praise. And that's what he wants. He wants recognition yeah. and praise, but he's always in somebody else's shadow. He's always in his family. He is in his brother's shadow mm -hmm. and at Hogwarts, he is always in Harry and Hermione's shadow. And for good reason, because he's useless. Uh, <laughs> that's not entirely true. No. We'll, we'll get into his giftings later in this film franchise. But... Uh, he's still coming to his own and figuring out what works for him. Yes. And, and he hasn't found that identity. But Harry is always the hero. And this is another thing where 
for once, Harry and him were going to get to sit back and watch as everyone else yeah. went through the danger and they were going to be in it together. But now Harry has set them apart again. Yeah. And that's a betrayal because once again, Ron is on the outside looking in. Yeah. And that's why it hurts is he wants to be on the inside more than anything, but once again is on the outside. Yeah. So do you feel that a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. So it was just, um, who's the guy that plays Ron? The Rupert Grant. Rupert, Rupert. Rupert Grant. Rupert Grant. That's a name. Yes. Um, it's very British. Like he, I think he did a great job even as a young actor in this. Yes. Portraying that because I saw it. I saw it on him and it just like, I fell for him. I am that middle child. That, yes. I am that child that was in everybody else's shadows from the oldest to the youngest. And it was just me. I just, you know. Yes. I didn't get my own things and I I sympathize with him. Absolutely. Um, but uh, moving on, Harry's interrogated and eventually uh, Barty Crouch Sr. says, hey, the rules are the rules. Whoever's name comes out of the cup, they're in the tournament. So I'm sorry, you're in. Um, uh, something from the book that was not explained in the film is that had Harry tried to uh, had Harry tried to not compete, uh, he would have been magically compelled to by the cup. Huh. Uh, by, and that's kind of sucky. Yeah. Um, through all of this, we meet our new professor uh, for the Defense Against the Dark Arts, uh, Professor Alistair Mad-Eye Moody, uh, played just spectacularly by, by Brendan Gleeson. Um, after we leave the, hey, am I in the Triwizard Tournament? Am I not? We go to the first Defense Against the Dark Arts class with Professor Moody and I gotta be honest, I am not a fan of his teaching style. <laughs> um, it, it's very similar to going to a health class where the teacher goes, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the effects of cig cigarette smoke by everyone in here is going to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Um, or, hey, I'm gonna show you what a bullet wound looks like. Yeah. Uh, and he proceeds to, now, I've, I've already expressed my concerns at this school about students are effectively handed loaded guns. He proceeds to teach students the three unforgivable curses, uh, and no teenager has ever uh, repeated a bad <laughs> word that was said in front of them or done something that someone else did in front of them out of peer pressure. Uh -huh. <laughs> but he proceeds to teach the three unforgivable curses, which are the imperious curse, which is basically a mind control curse. He is taught, uh, he teaches the cruciatus curse, which is a torture curse. And then Avada Kedavra, which is the killing curse. And he teaches all of these in a very inhumane way on a on a creature that looks somewhere between a spider and a scorpion. Yeah. And uh, several of the students, uh, Hermione and uh, Neville Longbottom, uh, are obviously just deeply troubled by this display. Uh, in the meantime, all the other students go, hey, cool, we got to see some cool stuff. Uh, uh, just got a text message from work. I'll, uh, I'll handle that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so we're in the middle of this fourth year. We're 
this is halfway through effectively a high school middle school career for most of these students yeah and this movie probably more than anything that has come before and with only one exception coming forward definitely feels like a high school movie yes and uh we get all of the honestly meaningless drama of yeah. middle school and high school between friends we get the crushes and uh harry uh is absolutely smitten with cho chang because she's a pretty girl he saw and yeah. she's the pretty girl he saw i can think of high school crushes that came about of a similar way <laughs> yeah. and i at the time i remember thinking oh this is what love feels like no this is what a crush yes. feels like it feels like this person is the only person that exists if you're trying to figure out whether you are dealing with infatuation aka a crush or real love does anyone else really matter besides that person because if the answer is no it's infatuation yeah. or a crush real love acknowledges and appreciates all other relationships uh that already exist uh while appreciating the beauty, appreciating the love, appreciating the other person. Yeah. Uh, so that's a quick primer for you. Many smarter and more qualified people have written tomes and tomes of books on what's going on. Um, just, just to give you a few, uh, I've got none. So we're gonna move on. Well, I was gonna say throughout this movie, I don't know my stuff away but um vamp vamp for me while i text but uh throughout like this movie throughout this series i always saw like as you know from the time i first saw the first one and as they're watching them grow up i always thought it was gonna be like hermione and harry mm -hmm. um and this is the movie where for the first time you start realizing that hermione doesn't have eyes for harry he is just her friend so I'll be honest, this is the first movie um, uh, where, so before I'd seen Harry Potter 3, I basically knew the outcome for the series uh -huh. um, as far as relationships, but um, watching, watching this, it was the first time that I actually thought of the possibility of Harry and Hermione actually having romantic interaction. Yeah. I mean, the way, like, when Hermione shows up for the ball, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, you know, everyone's like, going, oh my gosh, is that Hermione Granger? And she's, yeah, you know, she's Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like a prelude to her as Belle has been Beauty and the Beast. And that's who shows up, you know, in her beautiful pink dress and instead of yellow. But, you know, and just even like, even Harry looks smitten, like, oh my gosh. But then in the end, it's Ron she's yelling at for not asking her out and meaning it. Uh huh. You know, and it's like, that's when you start realizing, uh, wait a minute, what about Harry? He's the star. You. You're the heroine that's supposed to, but no, that's not how it goes, and which I think is good. Yeah, I I honestly think um, I think that Harry and Hermione would have would have been an interesting romantic pairing, but here's here's something I learned in college 
Um, and sadly, I wish I would have learned earlier. <laughs> um, just because you go to school with someone, just because you like someone while you're in school, does not mean that that's the person you are going to end up with. Yeah. It doesn't even mean you're going to date that person. Um, and that could have saved me so much grief in <laughs> middle and high school, but uh, you live and you learn yeah. or you die. Um, in college, you met a great girl that didn't go to college and, mm -hmm. you know, and. No, and I met several great yeah. girls at college. And yeah. the, the fact of the matter is, you love happens yeah. it it just does and sometimes it happens at the cracker barrel <laughs> and and sometimes elsewhere um but it is messing up my joke <laughs> it's all right anyhow because you know we met at cracker barrel for the listeners that didn't know <laughs> way to while give, he was in college way to, way to give away more of our security questions <laughs> anyhow yeah. I'm going to have to change that one now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so um, getting back on track, uh, we go through this film. Uh, we get to the first test. The first test uh, is the test with the dragons. You've got to retrieve an egg uh, that is planted on the other side of an obstacle course. In the meantime, a dragon of a specific type and variety will be there to stop you. Now, what's supposed to happen is uh, the Triwizard champions are supposed to come in and not know what they're about to face. However, uh, because these teachers have no uh, moral fiber whatsoever, uh, <laughs> they basically sneak around and tell their students, hey, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so everyone knows going in what's going to happen. Harry reveals to Cedric Diggory um, what's going on and Everyone gets through the test okay. We, once again, uh, whereas in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, we had Buckbeak as great CGI, the dragons in this have phenomenal, phenomenal CGI. Great effect, still holds up even now on a 55-inch HDTV. <laughs> um, but we get through the first test, and finally, Harry surviving, getting scratched up and singed and cut, mm -hmm. Uh, Ron finally realizes, hey, maybe I need to stop being a jerk to my best friend. Yeah. Um, so they make up. Uh, after this, uh, we get the uh, we get the winter ball. Uh, we get the dance with the Beauty yeah. and the Beast moment where you had. And Harry and Ron are just jerks to their dates. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm like, this is not a character for both of them. <laughs> Isn't it? I think... I think it might be out of character for the way they would handle themselves in any heroic situation, but this isn't heroism. This is high school. Yeah. And they took the for, last two girls available. No, they for, took the last two girls that, that were pretty. they found that they found approachable and attractive. Yeah. Um, but this was a situation in which they handled themselves consistently with the character of a high school boy. Yeah. So on that note, I find their behavior exactly where it would be. <laughs> uh, having, I never went to high school dances. So having been a shallow high school boy, <laughs> I can attest we're awful. And <laughs> if any of you out there have daughters, 
um, and a high school boy comes and asks them out, um, you need to beat them up and <laughs> and teach them proper respect for women. Don't do that or you will go to jail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but throughout all of this, uh, it's a constant mystery. They're always trying to figure out why these things are happening outside of the Triwizard Tournament. Uh, we get a cameo from Gary Oldman as Sirius Black. Uh, great effect, uh, his face coming through the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um, he warns Harry about not trusting anyone. Uh, and Harry spends basically a bulk of the school year not figuring out what he's supposed to figure out, which is the clue from the second, uh, from the egg. Yeah. Um, and when he opened it, it made a loud shrieking noise. Uh, later, Cedric Diggory comes up and is like, hey, why don't you take your egg up there and take a bath? And he's got like one day left after it's been like, what, six weeks? Yeah. And he's, he's got one day left to figure it out. He's been slacking because, again, high school boy. Yeah. Um, but, excuse me. We, uh, we get to the day before and the clue is revealed to Harry. But we'll have to wait a moment to get back to that because we're reaching the end of what we're allowed to record at one time. When we return, we will get the second test of the Tri-Wizard Tournament and then the rest of our thoughts. And we're back. Uh... Harry follows Cedric Diggory's advice and takes the uh, egg up to the uh, prefect's bathroom on the fourth floor? Something like that? Anyhow. uh, Where Moaning Myrtle is. Giant, giant bathtub. I've seen smaller swimming pools. So, was that bathtub there in the one where they talked about... Different bathroom. Oh, I thought it was the same one because of Moaning Myrtle. She was in the girls' bathroom in Chamber of Secrets. This is the prefect's bathroom. Oh, no. She's just been released from the (laughs) I don't know. All I know is she is terrifying. Uh... For a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that she is peeping on pubescent boys <laughs> yeah. while they're naked uh, in a vulnerable state. And then she is not even a little bit shy about her intentions. <laughs> and that's creepy. Yeah. She's like, ooh, all the bubbles went away. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, it does not like, make things any better by the fact that uh, the actress playing Moaning Myrtle is 37 at the time of filming. Playing, she's playing, what, a 15-year-old dead girl? She's playing a teenage dead girl. Uh, so uh, more than a little bit awkward. Nevertheless, uh, through all of this, Harry discovers that if he puts the egg underwater and opens it, uh, that instead of screeching, melodic singing reveals the riddle. The riddle is that he will have one hour to go into the dark lake and discover something that was taken from him. So uh, in the little bit of time he has left, he just asks around, asks everybody to figure out how to uh, f- figure out how to breathe underwater for an hour because I don't know about you, but after I don't know a minute, uh, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Uh, yeah. So uh, Neville Longbottom reveals to him that hey, uh, the way uh, the way that 
you can do this isn't some sort of mushroom, but you can use this thing called gillywig. So the next day, everyone goes out, jumps into the water, um, and as Harry swallows the gillywig, he sprouts gills, which is horrifying. <laughs> Um, and his feet become long and webbed like a duck. And in between his fingers, he gets webbed skin. Um, but uh, we get an underwater scene. And this whole film has been a little bit darker than the previous two. Yes. Um, but underwater is just terrifying. All sorts of little creatures. Uh, the mermaids in this are a lot more like the mermaids of myth. They are not uh, the Little Mermaid. They're uh, not these beautiful creatures. They're no, they're they're creatures that are bent on the destruction of mankind. Yeah, which is why I would drain the lake and kill all of them. <laughs> um, but I don't run Hogwarts. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, Harry is able to go under. He sees that not only uh, has Ron been ki uh, kidnapped and tied up underwater, but so has Hermione and Cho Chang and uh, some little blonde girl that he doesn't know. And he's like, oh, crap, there are three of my friends down here. Uh, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, uh, Cedric comes up and he gets Cho. And then out of nowhere, a horrific shark comes out and gets Hermione. And so Harry's like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll get Ron. And as he's going to get Ron, he realizes no one else is coming. And he realizes that the blonde girl needs to be saved too. So he tries to save both, gets attacked by the mermaids, but is able to blast him his way out, gets to the surface. We find out that, uh, uh, Fleur Delacour uh, was taken out by the mermaids, was, wasn't able to uh, get to the end. Was it because she was a girl and the mermaids didn't like her? Or? I like to think that it's because she was a girl and uh, J.K. Rowling didn't like her. Uh, but <laughs> in, in total seriousness, it's just because she got got. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, in this story, Fleur Delacour just gets a rough go of it all around. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, we get up to the top and Cedric gets first place uh, but Dumbledore because he's Dumbledore and can just throw points wherever he wants gets Harry second place because he would have been first if if he yeah, wouldn't have stopped to save everyone um, but uh, we get through this scene uh, we get uh <sighs> trying to put all my thoughts together. The one nice thing about notes is I have yeah. everything in order. Uh, so Ron uh, is kissed by Floor after he yelled at her to ask her out um, <laughs> earlier. Uh, and we see Barty Crouch uh, Sr. is talking to Harry and he's like, hey, I know what it's like to lose people. I know you're familiar with this. It's hard. It's hard to go through life like this. All of a sudden, Alistair Moody comes up and makes kind of a joke at him. And Barty Crouch Sr. looks like he's seen a ghost. Yeah. Uh, and and runs away. A little bit later, Harry is walking through the woods and stumbles across the body of Barty Crouch uh, Sr. Um, which, you know, I think that someone else had... If every time a dead body popped up, it's because Harry Potter had discovered it, I would start to think 
Harry is a murderer. Right. Um, because there is no way, no way that every time a corpse pops up, it's going to be this one kid finding right. it. Right. Unless he's got something to do with it. Or somebody else is watching him and wanting it to be suspect at him. I, I, <laughs> Framing him. I don't know. Uh, regardless, everything is really under strict uh, security after this. We have one last test for the Triwizard Cup. Uh, all the contestants will go into a massive maze where they will go in and try to retrieve the Triwizard Cup. Uh, if at any point you get uh, into, the, into the weeds, you can shoot up red sparks and help will come find you. Dumbledore takes everyone aside and says, hey, in the previous tests, there was danger to you or to other people. In this one, the danger is you. You are going to face the darkest urges of yourself. Um, the one thing I will note in this scene is everyone faces the dark urges of themselves except Harry. Harry never really has to deal with yeah. the dark side of himself in this scene. Um, so, Flora has to deal with her fear and then fails. Um Victor deals with his own just animal nature and fails. Cedric is kind of a douche, but that's it. And then Harry, I don't even, Harry doesn't deal with anything. Right, really, he's other trying than, to figure it out. He literally just has to deal with the physical obstacle in this scene. The book might be different. Full disclosure, I have not read the book. I've had <laughs> it described to me. I have uh -huh. not read this book. Um, but... Uh, Harry and Cedric make it to the to the cup at the end and then are immediately teleported to the graveyard from the beginning of the film. Yes. And the tone shifts. The tone had already been dark, but somehow at this moment, it just somehow gets darker. Yeah. And no sooner do they get their bearings than Wormtail comes out and a voice comes from Wormtail's arm that says, kill the spare. And immediately Wormtail kills Cedric. Just nothing to it. Just, he's dead. Main character in the movie, dead. And it's at this point I'd like to note for our audience, uh, whether or not you are familiar with Game of Thrones, the thing Game of Thrones is, is notorious for is killing main characters. From this point in the Harry Potter franchise on, you will not go a movie without a main character dying. Mm. So... If there's a main character that you love from here on out in Harry Potter, they are in danger. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, uh, Wormtail traps Harry. Uh, he proceeds to take a bone from the grave of Tom Riddle, dumps it into the cauldron, uh, dumps what looks like baby Voldemort in, Cuts off his own hand. Uh, this is the first Harry Potter film to get a PG-13, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cuts Harry's arm and drops the blood into the cauldron. And then everything morphs into a fully grown, fully restored Lord Voldemort. Yeah. And at this point, it is important for me to tell you that Ray Fiennes is only in this movie for a grand total of about 10 minutes and steals the show so much so that he is his portrayal of Lord Voldemort in this film in particular, but over the course of the next few films, 
he establishes himself as one of the great all-time cinematic villains mm. in this role. And it's spectacular. Uh, the digital effect on the nose is great, where they erased his nose. Yeah, I'm like, his, his whole face just weirds me out so bad because of his nose. He's very snake-like. Yes. Um, Everything but, about his face looks human except his nose and his skin color. And the tongue and the teeth. Uh, well, but, I guess I wasn't paying too close attention to his tongue and his teeth. I was just, I was looking at his nose. But he is cruel in this mm -hmm. scene with Harry. He literally just sits there and mocks him. He knows that this boy has nothing on him. He could kill him like that. Right. But he has to do more than just kill this kid. He has to make an example of him. Yeah. Because up till this point, people have been afraid of this Harry Potter because he's the boy who lived when going up against Voldemort. And he has to make an example. And he even tells Harry, he's like, look, um, and he tortures Harry. And he's, mm -hmm. he's like, hey, I'm going to make it to where all anyone remembers when they think of your name is that you begged for death and me being the merciful Lord granted your wish. And he is telling this 14 year old kid that he is going to torture and kill him. Yeah. And Harry runs away and Voldemort screams after him, you come back and face me. I want to look into your eyes as I kill you. I want to see the light drain from your eyes. And Harry is breathing heavy and he gets this resolved look on his face like, all right, I'm going to die. I, I'm going to go down fighting. And literally goes around the corner and goes, have it your way. Yeah. And we get an epic showdown between these two. And for a moment, you think Harry might stand a chance. But then you find out that Voldemort is kind of playing with his food like a cat. Yeah. Um, and their lawns, wands are locked and there's energy flying and it looks like something out of Star Wars with a lightsaber battle. Magma is spewing off of, off of the energy. And as the wands link, a bright cloud of light comes out and these little lights start firing out of Voldemort's wand and taking the forms of the people that he's killed, mm -hmm. including the groundskeeper from the beginning of the film, yeah. uh, Harry's parents, Cedric Diggory, and uh, and the ghosts of these people say, "Hey, you've done good. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to run. Grab the port key. Get out of yeah. here." And right before Harry does that, Cedric goes, "Harry, take my body back to my father." That's where take I lost my, it. Take my body back, and. They say, all right, when we say go, you gotta go. And so they, all the ghosts charge Voldemort. Harry breaks away, grabs the port key in Cedric's body and teleports out. Voldemort cries out. And then we, bam, we're back at Hogwarts and the band starts playing. They're like, yay. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's cheering. And then all of a sudden, Floor sees Cedric's body and screams and the band just kind of dies out. Yeah. And it's that, it's that moment when, if you've ever watched a kid and a kid hurts themselves, they take the deep breath and you know what's coming next is a scream. Mm -hmm. And it's this moment of dread that just comes over you. Yeah. 
and it ripples through the whole crowd. It's one of the best depictions of grief and shock I've seen on film where no one is quite sure how to handle it. And it just ripples through this crowd, brilliantly shot, brilliantly shot. And all of a sudden, Amos Diggory, Cedric's dad is in the stands and just screams, what's going on, what's going on? Pushes his way through. And then when he sees his son dead in the grass, he cries out in agony. It is one of the most genuine performances I've ever seen where he wails in grief. And it is such a powerful moment. And literally Harry has to be dragged away by Alistair Moody as we hear this wailing and everyone else is just in shock and terror as they see this. And it's this just powerful moment of fear and grief and agony. And you're like, oh my gosh, where does the movie go from here? And then we go over and we get the twist as Moody interrogates Harry and he's just in kind of a manic state. And he goes, who else was in the graveyard with you? And Harry's like, oh, uh, I never said anything about a graveyard. Yeah. And that's the point at which we realize something's up. And this person who seems to be Moody proceeds to say, hey, do you think that you got this far on your own? No, it was me. And as it seems like this person is about to kill Harry, Dumbledore storms through the door, knocks him to one side. They pour polyjuice potion down, or not polyjuice potion, they pour uh, Veritas serum down his throat so he'll speak the truth. Uh, We come to find out that this individual who it seemed was getting uh, drunk every day at school was instead drinking polyjuice potion, which enabled him to keep the form of Alistair Moody. Dumbledore asks him, hey, are you... uh, are you Alistair Moody? He goes, no. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Alistair Moody has been kept in a trunk. Uh, in the meantime, Barty Crouch Jr., played by David Tennant, has been pulling the strings the whole school year. Yeah. And Which is why he was such a bad teacher. <laughs> and we find out it is official at this point. Voldemort is back. Mm-hmm. And... The next day, Dumbledore proclaims it to the students. They want me to tell you that Cedric Diggory died in an accident. No, he was murdered. He was murdered by Lord Voldemort. And the rest of the film kind of has a downer ending. Everyone's going back and Hermione says, nothing's ever going to be the same, is it? And Harry goes, no, no, it's not. And we get kind of a melancholy shot as everyone leaves for the year, knowing that things won't ever be the same. You don't just get to go back after this. You don't get to go home after this. And I said before that this film feels like the Empire Strikes Back of this franchise. It very much is. uh, Empire ends on kind of a a melancholy note. This one does as well. You don't know what's coming next. The bad guy is not only on the loose, but he's at full power. And whereas before Harry had some sort of gift on him where if Voldemort touched him, it would hurt him. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. And now all the rules are out the window. And even Hogwarts itself isn't safe. Voldemort had an agent next to Harry the whole year on Harry's inner circle. Yeah. And he couldn't do anything about it. 
And, and that's where we're left at the end of this film is we survived barely by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. And I, go ahead. I, this is the film that I think I'm, I'm not sure if I've cried during any of the other Harry Potters, mm-hmm. but I bawled during this one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially from the time, like they got to the graveyard on, I was like yeah. bawling. Yeah, tears rolling down my cheeks, no. bawling. This is easily, up to this point, it is the best acted, yeah. it is the best scripted, it's the best shot. Uh, I noted last week that John Williams' score uh, would not occur in any of the following films, and it doesn't. Uh, Patrick O'Doyle it composes this film, only film that he composes to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a good job. Uh, if you listen to the soundtrack on its own, it's it's more atmospheric than melodic. It's not something that I would really listen to on its own. Yeah. But for the film, it accentuates the movie, which is what is needed. Yeah. But the film is so good on its own that whereas John Williams' score in the first two movies was kind of a crutch that took the film from good to great, and in the last one took it from great to amazing, this one is so good on its own that... I don't miss John Williams' score because I honestly feel like it might have actually distracted from the performances, Mm -hmm. from some of the shots. There are moments, there are a few moments where the breath catches in your throat because it's what's happening to the characters. You feel their grief or their fear or their anxiety. And just an A-plus example of a film, especially with a genre film, uh, sci-fi and fantasy, it's so hard to make an emotional connection. Most of the time, wonder is what you're supposed to feel as the audience. In this, you feel danger, fear, anxiety. Um, I feel frustration with yeah. the male characters as they're being <laughs> idiots because they're high school boys. Yeah. Um, overall, just great, 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 great film. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, if you've started watching through the Harry Potter films with your kids, um, maybe uh, part three is where you want to stop. Uh, until they're and, older. And, and, <laughs> until, they're, until they're able to process, you know, trauma and grief. Uh, because this film will traumatize you. Yeah. Um, but it is so, 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 so good. Um, I'm looking forward to as we roll into next week with Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, just continuing because from next week on, we don't change directors. Uh, uh, I believe we'll change, um, we will change uh, composers, but a large portion of the cast will be intact, the production crew, uh, all of it. And there will be a continuity from next week forward that we haven't seen before now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really look forward to discussing that. I really enjoyed this film last night. Uh, I enjoyed doing the plot and and things this way this week. It was a lot more fun to kind of freehand it and go off of memory instead of notes. Yeah. I felt like it was more, you know, it's not as much like just reading your notes and stuff. And it gave more interaction between the two of us as well. I I really enjoyed this. We'll be back next week uh, with more Harry Potter. Uh, I hope that you'll give us a positive review on your podcast service of choice. Um, If you've got suggestions for something uh, you'd like us to cover uh, in coming weeks, please let us know. Um, 
I will probably post a bonus episode on my reactions to the new PlayStation 5 once it arrives, and I've had uh, a few days to play around with uh-huh. it. Um, that plus uh, the first two films in Daniel Craig's portion of the, Dan- uh, the James Bond franchise will be incoming before Christmas. We've got all this coming and more, so please keep us in your podcast feed as we round out 2020, hopefully making it a little bit brighter for you. So I hope you'll join us next week for more Harry Potter and more favorite things. Bye.